Episode 4 of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast takes off now. Hello aviators and welcome to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today we are talking with Ryan Huber. Ryan Huber is a current CFI for CAE Aviation out in Arizona. In this episode we talk about why Ryan became a pilot, why Embry-Riddle wasn't the best fit for his career, the difficulties of being a CFI, and how he managed to pass every check ride. And without further ado, here's Ryan Huber. Hey, Ryan, thanks for coming on the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not much, man. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for bringing me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I just kind of reached out to you, and I think what you're doing is awesome. So uh, I, I really appreciate you know, what you're doing. I think it's great to bring people into aviation, kind of give them the reality and share stories. So uh, I love what you're doing. I'm excited for it. No problem, man. Thanks for that. Yeah, everyone has an aviation story, and it seems that everyone loves to talk about their story. So why not a podcast? Exactly. I love the idea. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, what kind? Of, why did you choose aviation? What got you into aviation? I started in aviation really early. So um, my grandma, actually, she'd take me out to the airport when I was like three, four years old. And um, it was a Peachtree DeKalb Airport. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. KPDK out yeah, of Atlanta. For sure. That was yeah, what started the dream for me. I would just go play on the swing set out there and look at planes. I'd see Gulf Streams and Hawkers and all kinds of cool stuff taking off. And um, I just always knew I wanted to do something in aviation from that moment. It was just like a childhood fascination and led me to where I am today. That's awesome. So your grandma would take you to Peachtree and you go see all the crazy corporate planes that they have out there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've never been there. I've been to ATL, but I've never been to Peachtree okay. before, but I heard it gets pretty busy. Yeah, it's pretty busy. There's a lot of corporate traffic out of there as well as flight schools and GA stuff. And it's a really, really cool airport. Nice. So how old were you when you took your first flight? I was actually 10 years old. So, um, yeah, I, when I was a little kid, I always was into aviation. You just like I told you. And then, um, I asked my parents for an intro flight for my 10th birthday and it was kind of funny. They actually thought it would scare me off from it a little bit or (laughs) kind of like shut me up. But, um, yeah, I took my first flying lesson when I was 10 and I'm I'm sure it kind of scared the heck out of the instructor I was with. But, uh, yeah, sat on a little booster seat or a pillow. (laughs) That's uh, awesome. Took the controls of a Piper Archer 3, and um, yeah, I did my first flight when I was 10, and then uh, from there, it was kind of, I took a couple flights, but um, I really got into it later on, uh, doing my private in high school, but um, yeah, it just kind of sparked it for me, and I've, I've always known I wanted to fly. Nice, that's awesome. You took your first flight when you were 10. I took my first flight when I was, what, 20 years old? So I didn't even know oh, I wanted okay. to be a pilot until yeah. later in life, yeah. So did you do your training out of Peachtree or did you take your first flight out of Peachtree or where did you do all that? I did my first flight out of Peachtree to Cab and then um, we've kind of moved around the Atlanta area a little bit and moved up to Swanee, like the Swanee Johns Creek area. From there, I went to Lanier Flight Center out of uh, Gainesville. Okay. The, the Gainesville Airport, a little uncontrolled airport up kind of North Georgia is where I did my initial private pilot training. And uh, that started when I was in high school. I got some help from my grandparents and really, you know, took it seriously and pursued it at that time and um, did my private in high school, finished it my senior year of high school. Nice. And um, yeah, it was a great experience. Flew 172s for most of my training. 172s over 152s all day for me. Yeah, it's an interesting little airplane. Yeah. I've got a few hours in that. And, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's like a little go-kart with wings. 
my first day out to the airport, they had me choose between a 152 and a 172. And obviously a big factor yeah. for the 152 is that it's a little bit cheaper. So you're, you know, mm-hmm. the overall cost might be a little bit less, but I legit could not fit in there with another instructor. I mean, it was, I felt like I was laying down. It was crazy. Yeah. I actually did, um, some of my training at first in a 162, a sky okay. catcher, nice. the little, the little light sport Cessna and did about 10 or 15 hours in that. And then realized that I really needed the 172 and it'd be a lot easier to fly. Yeah, just a little bit, uh, a little more comfortable. Yeah, a little more comfortable. You're not getting rocked by turbulence. Yeah, yeah, a plane going 80 knots. Turbulence is always fun. So what was uh, being a pilot like in high school? I'm sure all your friends were kind of wondering what you're doing and probably thought you were a little crazy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, There was a few other people that did it at my school. So um, I have one friend in particular who uh, went to ATP kind of right out of high school or shortly after high school like I did from my high school and um, but really I was one of the few I'd say that pursued that especially at that time and uh, it was definitely a pretty cool thing I didn't really take too many people up because I didn't have a lot of money to, to fly right. around a whole lot but um, of course yeah it was really cool I used to like study didn't do ground stuff in math class I'd be like not paying attention studying for my, my written exam <laughs> and stuff that's so, funny um, yeah yeah, that's how it was for me. I didn't really, school wasn't really my favorite thing, but once I found aviation, it was a lot easier for me to study and kind of grind away at all the tests that you had to take. Definitely. Yeah, especially it's easy once you know that's what you want to do for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I think it's, if you're passionate about something, it's a lot easier to focus on it. And, um, you know, that's why we do this. Most of us, I think it's, it's what we love and enjoy. And, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to focus on something you love and you're passionate about and punt the work in as opposed to if you're, you know, studying accounting or for sure sales or something that you, you really don't want to do. And I, I hate to see that with young people, they get forced into a job or they're just kind of doing whatever and going with the flow. And it's like, you know, you've got one life and I really try and preach that to people, you know, do what you're passionate about and do what you love. And that's what got me into aviation and why I wanted to do it. For sure. You can make a profession out of anything. Just find something you love and just put your head down and go for it take the risk and go for it absolutely and aviation is one of the harder ones to kind of get into because it's hard for people to get over the initial cost of getting all your licenses and your ratings absolutely because no one wants to come out of school with more debt than they already are going to get from a normal four-year college so you kind of look that crazy if you're even thinking about that Mm -hmm. so did you uh are you in college now did you go to college so I did my private in high school and then I went to Embry-Riddle actually okay. in Daytona Beach cool. and I went there for a year and then um, decided to go to ATP after that. I wasn't going to pursue flying as a career really. I okay. always knew I wanted to do something in the field and I, I wanted to get my private and fly but um, it wasn't until I went to Embry-Riddle and paid way too much money for one year to go there <laughs> yeah. that um, I was I kind of thought about what I wanted to do and uh, just being around all the aviation, all the the business uh, contacts and just networking with people. I was like, wow, you know, I really want to fly and fly for a profession. And I was like, well, okay, what's what's the best way to do this? And I was like, well, I could go to Embry-Riddle and do my flight training with them, get my degree here. And then there goes $200,000 or a lot of money into it. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that and be in super large amounts of debts and debt. But I mean, aviation, you're going to get in debt unless you've got some money put away. But, um, that's what kind of got me into ATP. I looked into that program and said, you know, this is going to like, it's fast. Uh, they advertise a hundred days from, if you start with your private pilot all the way up to your CFI. So I was like, you know, I can get this done quick. I can start instructing, really building time. And 
uh, you know, saving money away. So instead of going to Embry-Riddle and finishing out my degree there, I decided to go to ATP. And then currently I'm looking to do Embry-Riddle online and finish with them for less money or go to like Utah Valley or another school. I'm looking into some online programs. So to make sure you get the four year degree. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I put aviation in the, the flight certificates first and kind of put the degree on standby, but it's worked out so far. And I think that's a good path for me and a good path for a lot of people. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, it's definitely an option. I mean, everyone has a different path that they have chosen in the aviation industry. So you're definitely doing the right thing. Yeah. That's what's so cool is I think there's so many ways to do it. You know, you meet people from the military, there's people that go do an aviation degree, a four-year program. There's people who do part 61 flight training at their local FBO and don't have a degree or do college alongside it. And there's all kinds of ways that you can get into this industry and start flying. Well, and the only really job you need a four-year degree for is say, if you want to work for a major airline and even then it's kind of just preferred, it's not really a mandatory requirement. So if the pilot shortage really comes and hits them hard, who knows if a four-year degree is really going to be something to worry about. Yeah, you're exactly right, and that's um, kind of why I've I've punted off or haven't had uh haven't put as much attention onto the degree as as the flight training because you know who knows where the industry's going and it's good to have that four year degree as, as like a backup or something right or, for sure um, just to, to to add to your your level of experience and be able to market yourself but um you know with the pilot shortage coming and it's already here people are hiring at lower minimums than ever and. There's more jobs than ever, so yeah, there yeah, is. you never know where things are going, and the majors are going to need people. They already do need people. So. That's for sure. The The pilot shortage is here. That is correct. Uh, my company that I fly for, 135 company, we fly Pilatuses and Caravans, and they awesome. have an SIC program where they used to require you have about 800 to 1,000 hours, but now they've dropped it down to about 500 hours, so they can try to get oh, people wow. in the right seat and build time. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we hire a 500-hour SIC, put them in the right seat of a caravan and a Pilatus and go to work. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of companies like that out there. Um, I've kind of done some research myself and different opportunities with uh, companies like Ameriflight, um, Plain Sense, Surf Air, yeah. Tradewind Aviation, Raven Air. There's a lot of companies who are, who are needing pilots and need right seaters for turboprops or light jets, and they'll hire you almost out of the gate not quite commercial minimums but 500 to a thousand hours for sure yeah it's very true and i was actually looking at plain sense before i chose a company i chose now my main reason for choosing this company was i was gonna be flying once i got the 1200 hours i was guaranteed to be in the left seat flying single pilot ifr in a caravan and then upgrade to a pilatus so i was getting pic turbine time pretty much right away that's, that's super huge yeah, so you, you said something about ATP, about how they guaranteed that you would get, if you had to, came in with a private pilot license, they would guarantee that you would get your well, instructor yeah, rating in 100 days. Back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call that a guarantee, yeah. more, more of an advertisement for okay. sure. But um, yeah, for me, I, would, I had a really good experience with the program. So nice. I got done with it in, I think, four months and three weeks, so just under five months, and that's like total elapsed time, not training days. Right. So I think it was like 108 training days or oh, something. Wow. That's still impressive. Which is, yeah, which is really good. I don't think you could do it in 100. There might be people that have. But um, uh, for me personally, I didn't fail any check rides or uh, didn't have nice. really any hiccups. So uh, I was I was lucky and got it done about as streamlined as possible. But um, I think realistically – 
Uh, it takes a little bit longer than that, but it's still a very quick way to get your ratings and, um, you know, get, get into flight instructing or your career as fast as possible. For sure. Which ATP did you choose? I went to the location in Lawrenceville, so okay. I'm just kind of northeast of Atlanta, pretty close to where I grew up and lived. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a pretty small airport. Not a whole lot goes on there. It's just, um, they got, you know, the, the one runway, and then uh, there's Georgia Jet, a charter company out of there, and there's like some, some medevac stuff yeah. and uh, a few little operators, but it's pretty quiet. It was, it was a good, calm place to train. Uh, coming out here to to Phoenix, it's been interesting because there's just so much flight training that goes on, and your TIS is constantly going off, telling you there's traffic everywhere. So it's it's a little bit different, and more of a, a hectic environment than just cruising around North Georgia. But yeah. was, I really enjoyed my experience there, and uh, they did a really good job. That's awesome. So how did you end up in Phoenix then? I ended up out here. Um, I actually I was dating a girl in high school who. Um, she ended up going out here to Arizona State, and so I kind of, like, I was seeing her at the time while I was going to ATP and, like, kind of traveling back and forth and seeing her, and so I got some just uh, experience out here and got familiar with the, the area and thought it was really cool and just beautiful out here, so um, that's kind of what turned me on to Phoenix, and then I ended up doing my standardization training with ATP out here at the uh, Mesa Gateway location, so I was out here for a month doing that, and... Um, was kind of aiming to get out here and instruct out here uh, because of her. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, our, our relationship didn't work out. So uh, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. But, yeah. uh, it brought me to, to Phoenix and Arizona, which I'm really thankful for. For sure. And um, the flight training out here is great. Uh, the ability to build, you can build more hours out here than almost anywhere just because the weather is perfect every day. You wake up, it's either blue sky or like two clouds and always VFR, always sunny. So it's super nice, great training environment. There's a ton of schools out here. So um, that's what brought me out here. And then um, I was kind of shopping around while I was doing the training with ATP to become an instructor for them and uh, just networking around, interviewing different places. And then I found the opportunity with CAE and um, CAE Oxford out here and interviewed with them and ended up getting the job and then they gave me a start date and I thought it was a little bit better of an opportunity than what ATP had to offer. So, um, I started instructing with them and then I've been instructing with them since. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It's funny how things work out sometimes where a girl brought you out there, but you ended up staying yeah, out there exactly. because it's the best option for your flying career, which is funny. Yeah. So I think everything kind of has a purpose and, uh, it all works out. So yeah, I, I thank her for that. So being a flight instructor can definitely be tough, especially Say when I I learned how to fly in Columbus, Ohio. That's where I got my private pilot license, and the weather's terrible okay. there, so it's yeah, not yeah. the best place to be a flight instructor. But I had a couple friends that went down to one went down to Florida and Fort Lauderdale area. The other one went out to Arizona, okay. and they both got their hours very fast, faster than any of my other friends are flight instructors. So if you want to be a flight instructor, you need to go somewhere where the weather is fantastic, so you can build your hours as fast as possible. Definitely. I think, yeah, Arizona and Florida seem to be the hubs for flight schools and flight instruction. And there's there's a ton of it out here. That is for sure. So you chose CAE over ATP. The CAE, is it kind of the same school as ATP? Do they kind of advertise you get your hours really fast and you can get your ratings really fast? So they only do contracts with international airline cadets. Okay. 
So it's um, strictly they have a program with the Chinese, uh, Indian students, Europeans, and the Japanese. So they have airlines that will contract with them and send over students. The airline will pay for their training and pay for their time here, and then they'll send them overseas to the U.S., and then we do their, their training from zero time all the way up through commercial multi. And then they either fly a King Air or a Citation and then go back to their home country and pretty much get directly into an airliner. So it's a, a big 141 Academy setting and um, it gets them all the way from zero time to airline pilot pretty much. Nice. So every one of your students you had has been a foreigner? Yes. So I have five students right now and okay. they're all they're all Chinese um, with Air China. Okay. So they're all Air China cadets and I'm training them through their private pilot phase right now. How's that been going? Has there been any kind of language barrier or culture differences between you guys that make instructing tough? Yeah, it's, it's definitely different than uh, instructing somebody from America. Um, the culture, I think, is really cool. I've learned a lot about China in general just from instructing them. And um, the first thing you'll notice about them is they're super respectful. So it's always like, like I think they're all older than me. I'm super young, so it's kind of funny. But yeah. uh, they'll, they'll say, yes, sir. And like, <laughs> thank you, sir. And they're very, very respectful. And they're always they're very obedient and very um, conducive to, to learning. So they've been great students. Um, there definitely is a language barrier, though. And that's probably the biggest challenge as far as training them goes uh, they're very respectful and they study hard but uh atc is it's quite quite interesting sometimes uh they'll they'll hear something and have no idea what's going on or i'll have to help them out a lot on the radios so the english and kind of bridging that that barrier has been definitely one of the most challenging things yeah i'm sure I'm, i can imagine that air traffic control is not too happy when they keep on hearing yeah, yeah keep on gets, having the same issue yeah. over and over again when it gets real busy and there's a bunch of us in the pattern they can get pretty frustrated sometimes which yeah. is pretty funny yeah they've gotten they've gotten mad a couple of times so yeah. yeah it makes it interesting it's definitely interesting but it's definitely something they have to learn because obviously english is the the main language yes, for aviation yeah, the universal so. aviation language so. so there's not much they can do to get around that <laughs> yeah i had a buddy that actually flight instructor there and he said that he liked it a lot and it was hard the language barrier was a little bit difficult but he said it was very rewarding and he's actually met some pretty great friends from training over there and he considers them all really good friends and i think they've even invited him out to come visit him out in china and stuff Definitely. And yeah, I have uh, a couple students that have invited me to do the same thing. So I'm actually super fascinated with Asia and I'd love to go off to China or kind of explore that part of the world. So um, yeah, hopefully here in maybe a year or two, once they go back home, I could go visit them, which would be super cool. For sure. What is the actual, what's their like plan look? So they come over here with zero hours and then how long do they stay here? What ratings do they have to get and what is next once they're done? So they come in with zero time, and at first they go through a English classroom course to okay. be better their English and help their language skills. And then after that, they go into a ground school course, which I think is four months long. And they do like a, a formal ground school over basically everything, aviation, private pilot stuff. I believe instrument stuff as well. I think it's the one ground school, and then they go into the airplane. Okay. And so after after they complete the ground school, uh, I'll receive the student, and uh, we do a couple sims at first just to get them familiar with um, the airplane, kind of where everything is and the flows checklists, and then we get into the airplane, 
and take them through their whole private pilot phase and then into instruments with the single engine. And then they go from there into the twin and do their commercial multi. And then they'll either get into a King Air or a Citation and fly, I don't know how many hours it is in the in those, but I think somewhere between 20 and 50 hours in the jet or the turboprop. And then from there, we'll send them back to their home airline and then they'll do training with um, whatever airplane they get into. That's crazy. That makes me jealous that they get what, like yeah. 250 to yes. 300 hours and they have a job exactly. with their airline flying right seat in some huge jumbo jet. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that if we were in the same situation, we'd be flying Airbuses or 787s or something right now. So a little yeah. scary, a little different than how America does things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's how they do it, and we facilitate it. So That's awesome. we make it happen for them. Well, it's also got to be nice to know that they don't have to pay for any of it. And they're, they get a multi-engine training, and then they go straight into a King Air or a Citation. Which- yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Um, they, I believe it's uh, they sign a pretty big contract i'm not sure if it's like a life contract or it's something similar though so they do a contract where they'll um basically sign their whole career with the airline and the airline pays for their training and then they they provide the the services for the airline and work up until they retire so so have you enjoyed flight instructing so far i have it's definitely taught me a lot about myself and a lot about aviation um it really makes you way more confident in the airplane because you have to not only think about what you're doing but watch what the student's doing stay ahead of the plane know what's coming much more so than if you were just cruising around by yourself or taking up passengers so uh, it's definitely taught me a lot and made me a lot better pilot right you kind of have to be in the mindset where you have to predict what the plane's going to do but also predict what your student will do or how your student's going to react in that situation So it's kind of interesting. Have you had to save any lives yet? No, not really. I haven't had anything too crazy happen. Yeah. Uh, a couple hard landings, um, a few times where we've like almost gone off the runway on touch oh, and wow. goes and stuff nice. like that. But uh, nothing too scary, knock on wood. Nothing, That's good. I haven't had anything scare me that bad yet. But um, it's interesting. It's funny to see just like how people react to situations and what they do it's like you'll ask them questions and kind of just like wait and it's hard because like you want to fix a problem but you'll have to kind of wait and just see if they fix it themselves so um definitely like building that that gray area to where you can kind of sit back and have them mess up but not mess up to the point where it is like a violation or they do something and damage the airplane but um it's yeah it's an interesting fine balance especially with landings uh it, it took a while to get to the point where i could you know like predict I'd be like okay this landing's gonna be hard but i'm gonna <laughs> take it in anyway yeah. it's like you can just see it you're like 10 feet off the ground you're like oh man this is gonna hurt and then it's like bonk and it's like okay like you you want to correct it but you just kind of sit there and you're like all right this is gonna be bad but it's not gonna be terrible and yeah, it's hard to find the balance. Like you don't want to be too overbearing and fix everything for them without them learning because eventually they need to learn from their own mistakes because they're going to be the ones exactly. that are playing by themselves. So you have to find the balance between pushing the limits but not pushing the limits too far to where you endanger the plane or yourselves or anyone else. And you got to stay within the regulations, exactly. obviously. But exactly. Yeah. I was never a flight instructor, but it seems like it'd be a tough balance to find. Yeah, it is a tough balance to definitely test your patience and uh, you have some some 
funny situations that happen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool stepping stone though. And it definitely makes you better in the airplane and teaches you a lot about your personality and, and dealing with other people. So that does, it, I, I've always heard from other flight instructors that you learn a lot when you're a flight instructor, like you learn immensely oh, yeah. more than you've ever yeah. learned before. Oh yeah. Cause you're doing everything again. So like, yeah. I feel like I'm kind of going back through the private phase and, you know, I'm relearning steep turns and stalls and doing it over and over and over again. So right. now it's like, yeah, I'm an absolute pro at power off stalls and right. uh, engine failures and emergencies, which is, I think is great. The scenarios like just doing it so many times because you get that experience at the private level and while you're going through your training, but now it's just so much more solidified. And I feel like if I were to lose an engine, it's like just instinct. Exactly. I know what to do. Whereas as a private pilot, you know what to do, but it's not nearly as sound as what it would be if you do it, you know, five, six times a day. Right. I actually have lost an engine before and I know oh, what really? it's like, yeah, when wow. your training kicks in right away and you just put your head down yeah. and go to work and land the plane. What, what, um, what happened with that experience? Uh, we were just flying. I was flying for an aero survey company and we were flying back from a job and the engine just seized up and we had to come out and we landed it on a mountain in West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. Fun times. <laughs> Dang. So was there like a clearing in the mountain or? It used to be a pond that was filled in probably like three or four months before. And it was raining the day before. So the ground was really wet and it actually went uphill. So it helped us out and slowed us down a lot. Dang. That's, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. But the FAA, well, I was flying a 206. So it was a single engine plane. And the FAA okay. came out yeah. the next day and they investigated and they, Told us that we had enough fuel. We didn't run out of fuel or anything. We had oil or we had everything we needed. They just deemed that the plane broke and we did the best we could. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's a cool, cool story to share now that you're on the ground and yeah, survived a, it and, and did the right thing. So definitely a cool story to share now not something I'd ever want yeah. to go through again or have ever know. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> do you think you'd ever want to be a professional flight instructor? Or do you think that's just going to be a stepping stone for you? I think flight instruction is definitely just a stepping stone. And I, that's kind of the way the industry is built is with the 1500 hour rule, you have to do something to get you there and um, kind of pay your dues. And flight instruction is the most way people do that. So right. I think it, I'm in the same boat as, as most people. Uh, it's not something I want to make a career out of. I definitely want to get into charter operations, flying corporate aircraft and you know, growing myself as a professional and moving on to the next thing. So right. definitely sooner than later, I'd like to look into bigger and better opportunities. For sure. How many hours are you aiming for before you start looking into other opportunities? I've already started kind of shopping around and looking because uh, I'm kind of right around 500 to okay. where uh, you can start doing that. Anywhere 500 to 1,000 is, is a good range to start marketing yourself and really seeing what's out there. I don't want to put myself out there too soon and commit to something um just the first thing that pops up i'd rather kind of take my time with it and see if because the more hours you build that it just expands you know what's available to you right but i'm definitely looking at other opportunities and networking putting out my resume and just seeing what's available because there's so much aviation has so much to offer and there's all kinds of stuff you can do for sure yeah it's uh you want to keep building your resume and you want to keep getting the best type of flying that you can do, whether that be you're going from flight instructing and then maybe you go into flying 
135 and then you go from 135 to a corporate world and you kind of keep building from there. So there's always a stepping stone on a process that you're going through. Exactly. So do you have any struggles during your training at all? Say difficulty mastering a subject, bad flight instructors or any maintenance issues? Not a whole lot. Fortunately, I'm pretty fortunate in the fact that I had good instructors and I, I worked well with them. And um, ATP, which I did most of my training with, had planes available all the time. We had a maintenance facility for ATP at our location. So it was always, maintenance was never an issue. They always handled maintenance really well. And um, my instructors did a really good job with me. Um, And really, I think um, I didn't have any big bumps in the road just because I really committed to it. And that's what I'd recommend for anyone looking to get into flight training or who wants to go to ATP or any route is just to commit and really work hard. And, um, if you're passionate about it, I feel like it's pretty easy to do. You know, if you're spending the money and this is what you want to do, this is your dream. You're going to naturally put a lot of effort into it and really care about it. And so I put in everything I had, gave it my hundred percent and really just buckled down and did what I had to do. And, you know, I never wanted to fail a check ride. I I was like in the mentality where like, I couldn't fail a check ride. There's no way I was going to fail. And uh, fortunately, it worked out that I did, I haven't failed a check ride, and I've nice. got a perfect record uh, so far. So um, good deal, man. That's I, good. I'm really proud of that, and yeah, I just I think yeah, just hard work and making it happen. You know, anybody can make this dream a reality, and all it takes is hard work and you know, doing it and going for it. For sure. I mean, if you know this is what you want to do, you're putting in a lot of money already, so you might as well go for it as much as you can. You might as well devote 100% of your time. And like you said, it took you 108 days to go from instrument to CFI. So 108 days of your life where you just study as hard as you can and you get it done. Exactly. Yeah, completely. And it's so worth it. And yeah, it's just a small amount of time. And I think the hardest part of my training was definitely the CFI stuff. Uh, that was probably the, the hardest two or three weeks of my life because it was like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, just classroom instruction and tests and studying and sims and then into the airplane. And the way ATP does it, it's, it's very fast and, you know, it weeds a lot of people out. A lot of people couldn't handle it in my class and a couple people left. And oh, then wow. uh, I think one student got sent home or uh, they kind of talked him like, and talked to him and said, you know, I don't like, what are you thinking? And they negotiated to, he just did his commercial single and left. But, um, yeah, so it was, that was kind of hectic and scary. You're like, Oh man, I don't want to be the guy to to fail out or, you know, like I want to do this so bad. And so those two or three weeks of CFI school and just getting pounded with information and it was, it was really hard, but, um, you know, you get through it and it, it really taught me a lot about, hard work and what I could do because I never knew I could study and work that hard until I actually like studied and worked that I hard know, at right? that level. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like I'm holy crap, I did that. So that was the most difficult part. Yeah, training with ATP was just yeah, it was fast, a lot of information, a lot of studying, but um uh four or five months of just hard work and dedication and you come out on the other side and that's For that's sure. what I did. Now, uh, one of the knocks about ATP is obviously you get your time very fast and you get your ratings really fast. And some people don't think maybe the training is as good. Did you ever run into any issues with training at all? Or do you meet any other pilots? That, I know you said some people couldn't take how fast it was going, but did you see other pilots that were struggling or do you think most of them were being pretty successful like you were? 
With my location, I think the instructors are really good, and I really like the way it was run. I think a lot of people had great success with that Lawrenceville ATP location. I know at other uh, locations around the country, it varies, and some people have had horror stories or bad instructors. And definitely once I got to CFI school, I kind of realized, you know, like you don't know what you don't know until you, you figure it out. So I came in, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I know, like, my stuff. And then you get to CFI school, and they start asking you questions about things, and you're like, oh, my God, I, I had no idea that yeah. knowledge was even out there. Yeah, you're like, excuse me, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, so it's just like there's so much to learn, and, um, you know, you're always learning in aviation. I think there's Jason Shepard has the quote, M0A, you know, good pilots always learning. So For sure. that's very true. We're always learning stuff. You learn every day just from experience and from other pilots and you never know it all. And, uh, I think, yeah, ATP is fast and, um, it might not be the greatest training in the world and the best quality due to its speed and structure. But, um, I think with the right instructors and really just applying yourself and digging for the information instead of dismissing it, you can find what you need to find and better yourself. And we're always learning. So there's always more to know. Yeah. It's always good to learn. You don't want to be the pilot that thinks they know it all. You know, you'll always be humbled eventually. Aviation has a funny way of humbling pilots that oh, know it yeah. all. Definitely. Well, cool. Well, I want to get into uh, a section I call the rapid fire section. And I'm going to okay. ask you a couple questions just kind of off the bat and see what you have to say about them. Okay. All right. So number one is what's your favorite airplane? Favorite airplane is a really, really hard one. I kind of have favorite airplanes in different categories of airplanes, okay. but uh, the one that comes to mind the most is the Columbia 400, okay. or now the uh, Corvallis TTX Cessna makes it. Okay. That's just I've always loved that plane ever since I was a kid, and it was like the fastest, one of the fastest pistons out there, so I think that plane's really cool. What's your favorite airport? Favorite airport? Probably right now is Scottsdale. I okay. really like the Scottsdale airport out here a lot. Uh, there's a ton of business aviation traffic. There's Falcons, Globals, Gulfstreams coming in every day. And I'm just, I'm a total like business aviation nerd. So I, I freak out at that stuff and think it's super <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Do you rather fly on the West Coast or the East Coast? Hmm. Right now, I'd probably say the West Coast is because I haven't flown out here as much and I grew up on the east coast so i think the west coast is pretty cool i like it out here what's your favorite aviation instagram account to follow aviation instagram account has got to either be instaplane or corporate jets favorite instagram account in general non-aviation or do you stick with mainly aviation accounts not aviation i like aviation accounts a lot and then um i like kind of self-development motivational stuff nice Uh, so like a gary v yeah, Gary Vee is really good. And then uh, Grant Cardone, if you know who that is, I think his stuff's great. Yeah, he's got awesome content. All right, would you like Piper or Cessna? I'd have to say Cessna. If you weren't a pilot, what would you want to be? I'd probably stay in the aviation industry. I'd be like an aircraft manager or like do charter operations. That's kind of what I want to get into long term anyway. But aside from aviation completely, probably something in real estate or finance. Now, you said you're the TTX and the Columbia 400 were your favorite airplane. Now, if we thought bigger than that, like, say, corporate airplane or jumbo jet, what would you say your favorite airplane would be? Or a dream airplane? Okay. Um, I definitely have to go Gulfstream first. Okay. Gulfstream G650 or the new G500. I love Gulfstreams, and uh, they're out of Savannah, and I'm from Georgia, so... 
gotta rep Gulfstream. But um, aside from that, I like the I like Embraer's new products a lot, the Legacy 450 and Legacy 500. Yeah, those I think are that's cool. a sweet jet. I just got a tour of a Global 6000 the other day, and that was really? incredible. Yeah, that Dang, was that's the sweet. coolest plane I've ever seen. So as of right now, that is my new yeah. favorite plane. Yeah, the, yeah, Globals. Yeah, it's 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 tough because like I'll see planes all the time. I'm like, ooh, like that global but yeah. that Gulfstream. i'm like oh that falcon though i know it's right? just like yeah i'm totally like i love them all they're all super cool and globals are sweet though yeah it's funny how i so i got a tour of the global and i was like a little kid in a candy shop and then today yeah. we had two guys come visit our our operation here in ohio and they were mm-hmm. like two kids in a candy shop looking at the PC-12s in the caravan. So it's funny That's how funny. at every single yeah. step, you're always looking up to something. But sometimes you got to take a step back and remember that you were that one kid that was drooling about a 172 or a Pilatus. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. Like I'll, I'll meet people and I talked to some guy maybe a week ago who flew the Legacy 500 for FlexJet. Yeah. And I was just like freaking out about it. I was like, oh my God, like that thing's so good looking. Like that's such an awesome airplane. And like, it's like, how do you like it? He's like, yeah, it's all right. Like, <laughs> so it's like a big computer, you know, yeah. fly by wire, just like passing it off like it's nothing. I'm like, dude, that's so cool. But yeah, like, I guess my dream, just man. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's just because he does it every day and just, oh yeah, just Legacy 500, another flight. But yeah. So uh, your aviation goals. And I noticed we talked about earlier that you have your own YouTube channel. You want to talk about that a little bit? I do. So my YouTube channel is called Prop and Gear, and I started the YouTube. YouTube channel really to show people more about ATP and my process through my training. Okay. Because um, with ATP, uh, there was a lot of bad reviews and stuff from like 2012, 2013 online, and there was nothing very current. So I was just like, ended up deciding to go there regardless of what I saw. And um, it was just like, hey, I'm going to put out some content and kind of update this for people and show people what I've, what I've gone through. Nice. So I just created like a vlog style kind of channel documenting my training week by week and uh got a following from it and um made some connections some awesome friends through sharing my experience and uh just talking to people and i love inspiring people and helping young pilots and helping people kind of get into what we do because i think it's so attainable and i hate hearing people say like oh i'm too old or it's too much money or you know this i can't do this and there's always a way you can and i, I love being able to share that so I, I started to share my experience with my training and then now i'm, I'm kind of doing um just instructional videos kind of talking about the industry and different things that i i find that i want to share with people and i'm trying to expand my channel and i, I love that you like we could do this together because i just think sharing aviation and bringing more people into it's so cool and anybody can do this regardless of who you are where you came from your age, how much money you have. So I, it's always been a dream of mine and I want to share that dream with other people and help them get to, to their dream and achieve their goals. For sure. It's one of the things I love about aviation is that we're all on the same team. Like we're all trying to help each oh, other yeah. get to where completely are the end goal, whether that be just getting your private pilot license or becoming a captain of a 747. Like everyone's there to help you and give you guidance. Oh yeah. The, to point you in the right direction. Like no one, I mean, there might be a couple of people, but not very many people are out here to hurt you or to hold you back, Definitely, which is very encouraging. Yeah. For the most part, anyone I've ever met, it's like, Oh yeah, come check out the plane, come sit in the cockpit. They're always here to help. And cause yeah, we share that dream and that passion and it's unlike any other industry. And there's very few people that I think would be like, yeah, out to do you wrong. 
in aviation. Everyone's here to help. So I, I love that about the industry and where it's going. Yeah. And another thing with that is it's also about in this industry very much so about who you know, not what you know. So the oh, people yes. that you build, yeah. it's important to stay in contact with them. Even if say Completely. you're a flight instructor, you don't know if your student is going to be hit the lottery one day and wants you to fly his G650. So you exactly. always want to keep good and contacts. And yeah, that's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Um, and some of the best advice I could give to anybody is, yeah, always treat people with respect and your reputation and uh, who you are through aviation is everything. And just being kind to people, never treating anybody like they're lesser than you, whether they fly a global or they fly a 172. We're all pilots. We're all in this together. And I think it's so important to you know, reach out, expand your contacts, build your network and, you know, treat people with respect and if you do do good and help other people out, other people are going to help you out. And like you said, you never know the, the student of yours or the guy who is working the line could be the next owner of net jets. And you're, if you treat him well, he could offer you a job or vice versa. So it's very it's true. Very important to uphold a good reputation and, you know, be sincere and transparent in this industry. That's very true. So you're saying a little bit earlier about how you're kind of the goal of your channel is to inspire and encourage people to get into aviation and to kind of give them some knowledge to help them get through their training. Definitely. Nice. So would you say, would you want to be kind of like Jason Schapper and what he does at M0A or a little bit different or what? To some extent, I don't really want to do like flight training over yeah. my channel. But I want to definitely just like show people what the industry has to offer. So nice. I've kind of brainstormed some ideas as far as like reviewing different airplanes or like reviewing FBOs, doing pilot interviews. Like I kind of like I was thinking about doing pilot interviews and stuff like you're doing, like I think a couple of days before I found you. And then I was like, that's awesome because that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to get into. So, you know, I want to build my channel and just show people what's out there because there's so much and people kind of think to just like oh like to be a pilot you have to join the military and then go fly for delta and there's like there's so much out there that people don't know about right or they think that you have to be a flight instructor and you have 1500 hours of dual given before you can be a regional but yeah not many exactly. people know that there's an aerial survey or jump pilots or you can fly gliders you can do so many things to build your time that not many people know oh, about. yeah and it's mm -hmm. awesome to have other people come on and tell their story and then someone listening can hear their story and be like oh that's cool i didn't know i could do that Definitely. All right. If you could go back in time, say before you decided to go to ATP or even before you got your private pilot license, would you change anything that you've done or would you kept everything the same? I think I'd keep everything the same. I don't really regret anything and I'm very young. So I'm, I'm glad that I got into the industry young and I'm glad that I took the initiative to go to ATP and get my training done instead of waiting or putting it off as just a dream or another goal for later. So I'm glad I did what I did. And I think even though I had that year at Embry-Riddle, I think it just exposed me to so many great connections and great people and just like created more of a spark to get me to where I am now. So for I, sure. I really wouldn't change anything. That's good, man. That's good to hear. This will be the last question I have for you. And it is, if someone came up to you today and said, I want to be a pilot, what would you say to them? I would say to explore as many opportunities as possible and reach out to as many people as possible. And I think just, you know, go expose yourself to aviation, get in an airplane, uh, go up, take a flight, um, do your research, 
look at different flight schools, but I think if anybody wants to do it, the best advice I'd have to give is just to go do it and don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hold you back, you know, regardless of where you come from, what kind of money you have, who you are, if you have the dream, and if it even crosses your mind, Hey, a uh, pilot would be kind of cool. Do it. Just go for it. Yeah. It's, it's just such try an awesome it. experience. Yeah. Just try it and go for it. And you've got nothing to lose. And just being able to, you know, look down on the world and at however many thousand feet and see the sunrise or sunset, it's the most amazing feeling and the most amazing job you could ever have. And, you know, it's absolutely unbelievable. So just go for it and do it. Nothing's stopping you. Yeah. Sunsets never get old from uh two five. No. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter what altitude you're at a sunset in the air. Yeah, looks amazing. Yeah, They're not bad at a uh, four or five either. So yeah. 4,500, but not at all working my way up into the flight levels. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, that's, those are all the questions I have for you. You have anything else you want to add? Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll just say thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, let me share my story. I really appreciate it. Um, everybody who's listening, go check out Prop and Gear, my channel, um, and email me. Uh, hit me up. I'm on Instagram, uh, the Ryan Huber, or Prop and Gear on YouTube. So I love meeting new people, talking to you guys, and just sharing stories and building connections in aviation. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you. No problem, man. Glad to have you on the show. And uh... If we can help you out in any other way, let us know. Thank you, aviators, for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us a review on our iTunes page. Whether it's five stars or one stars, we want to know how we can improve. Our goal is to create the best content possible. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email us at pilot2pilothq at gmail.com. Happy flying, aviators.